Okay, welcome to episode two of Radical Thoughts. My last episode did pretty well for it being my first episode. I didn't get a whole lot of listens, but that's that's okay. That's expected. It was my first one. I'm not expecting it to be something enormously viral. I don't even expect this one to. But the feedback that I got was really encouraging. And I just want to thank everyone who reached out to me after listening to my last episode and encouraging me to continue on with this. It really does mean a lot that people are giving me feedback. It's what I want. I want feedback. I actually find it offensive when I don't get feedback because then I think that people didn't like it and they don't want to hurt my feelings. And so they're just not going to say anything. It's okay if you want to hurt my feelings. And it's okay if you want to affirm me as well. All that is much appreciated. So thank you to those who reached out, and I hope that you enjoy this episode as well. So a lot of my podcasts are going to be focused around politics mostly and a little bit of religion as well. But I think I'm going to stick mostly to, to the political side of America, I guess. I'll, I'll be focusing on a lot on American politics and a lot of the social issues that I hear in the news or see on social media. And today I'm not going to do that. Today I'm actually going to talk about something completely different. Um, And it's something that I saw this last week that sparked this topic. And the topic is how to argue. So this is where I got the topic from. A few days ago, I was on Instagram and it was my first time back on Instagram, I think after a week, a week and a half, I decided to take a break. And then I was, I don't know why I downloaded Instagram yet, but I did. And I was just scrolling through the feed, seeing what I was missing out on. And I saw a post from the day, the previous day. And I saw a post from a friend of mine who was standing in front of the Trump Tower and he was wearing a mega hat. And I thought it was a pretty dope Instagram post. Honestly, I'm pretty pretty jealous. I would love to be at the Trump Tower. I'd love to be at any tower that the, the president is owned. I don't care who, which president is. If it was called the Obama Tower, pretty dope. The Bush Tower, also dope. Trump Tower. And this post sparked a lot of controversy, and the comment section was just blown up. There were hundreds not hundreds 100 150 when i was on there comments and the majority of them were filled with hate and bigotry it was terrible it was the worst comment section that i've ever seen and i've seen a lot of bad comment sections i've seen people tell political figures to kill themselves but I've actually never seen something this bad. And I don't know if it's just because I knew these people that were saying these things. Like I could actually put a face to these hate filled comments. And I knew the personalities that were behind them. And I knew the people, I knew the people and I've interacted with the people, but it was, it was in my opinion, the worst comment section I've ever seen. I mean, if you want to see blatant racism, then you should go and read this comment section but unfortunately, you can't because wisely, my friend took down the comment section and no one can no longer read these comments. They're all gone. 
good for him. I'm actually really happy that he did that because I wouldn't want that on my Instagram wallet either. It's pretty embarrassing and it's pretty, pretty hate filled. It's pretty absurd. But there's terrible, terrible, terrible hashtags on there. I have some of the hashtags actually. I, I wrote them down so that I wouldn't forget them. Um, one of them was someone get this white boy. Another one was snatch that hijab. If you guys don't know what a hijab is, a hijab is something that Muslim women wear over their heads. It's a head garment, kind of like a scarf. Hashtag free ride. And that was in the context of this person's statement was aimed at Muslims who are just riding on the government's assistance and you know food stamps, uh, subsidized, subsidized housing, and all, all, all kinds of stuff like that, and then snatch that hijab till death. So those were just some, some of the hashtags that I saw, and they're, they're pretty, pretty bigoted <laughs> things, and I can't believe that this person said these things like that's just really immature and threatening. And if, if it were, I mean, I should have, but I didn't, it's reportable stuff. Um, it was terrible. I, I read the comments and there was more comments that threatened death comments that attacked people's physical features. It was disgusting. It was hypocritical. And the reason why it's hypocritical is because we declare equality. We want to end racism and bigotry but people on all sides of the political spectrum suffer from the di- from this disease of hate. Everybody does. But the the propaganda that we s- spread, especially on the left, is equality, equality, equality. It is shoved down our throats. We want equality. We want women's equality. We want we want race equality. Anything you could literally pick anything: gender equality, sex equality. You could put anything in front of equality, and there's probably somebody who feels discriminated in that category. But it's it's all hypocritical, and this comment section is proof of it because it's people on the left hating on supposedly people on the right. I don't know if these people are on the right, and it's like you are destroying the very thing that you're declaring. You want it, you want equality. You want everyone to be peaceful with each other, but yet you want the death of somebody just because they don't follow the narrative that you want them to follow. And it's it's pathetic. Why do people find it necessary to go as far as wishing death upon a a fellow high school student just because they disagree with their opinions? Like, it's absolutely absurd. I mean, these are high school students, and they want death to each other just because they disagree. I mean, come on, people. I get you're in high school, but grow up just a little bit. Just grow up. People in life are going to have different opinions than you, and you need to get over that. But that's but that's not what I'm, what I'm on this podcast to to do is to is to rant about all of these hate-filled comments i was saying all that to give background context as to to why my next article that i'm going to be posting here in the next few days 
is how to argue because these high school students do not know how to argue. They're using the completely wrong tactics on how to argue. And so I thought that I would give a shot on teaching my listeners or my readers on how to argue appropriately because obviously people who are reading this are curious about politics or religion and they're curious about my opinion. And I would hope that people would take the information that I have to offer and bring it into their social settings or circles and tell others about what they've learned from me. And there's going to be people who oppose you. There's going to, there's people who oppose me. And if you want to have a healthy conversation with these people, then you need to know how to argue with them well. Arguing is not a bad thing. Debate isn't a bad thing. What makes it bad and what gives it a negative connotation is people just don't know how to do it well. So this is my opinion on how to argue, and I have four points. But before I get to those four points, I'm just going to give this little um, idea out there, <laughs> I guess you could call it, for lack of better words, a little brain fart right now. We all love to argue. Admit it, you love to argue. I love to argue. It's, it's like in our flesh. It's our narcissistic tendency to call someone out on something we disagree with. I mean, I get such an adrenaline rush whenever I get into a heated debate with someone. It's like getting high. Now, I've never been high, but I would assume that if I were to get high, I would feel like I was in a really strong de political debate with somebody. That's my high. I love them for all the wrong and right reasons. It's, it's fun. But it's also a waste of time if both of you and other persons get involved. So that's why we argue. I think it's narcissism. So the first tip I want to give people on how to argue is to first stop and listen. Is this something worth arguing over? Did I say stop and listen? I meant stop and think. Is this something worth arguing over? Are we in the appropriate setting to argue? Do I know what I'm arguing? If you have little evidence or knowledge of the subject, then I recommend keeping your mouth shut. Simple as that. If you don't know the facts or you have the slightest inclination that you might lose that argument because you know that this person has more information than you do, don't get into it with them. The first question that I have that I want people to ask, is this something worth arguing over, is an important one and probably the most important one of the three. Is this something worth arguing over? What's going to be the goal? What's going to be at the end of that argument? Is it something worth arguing over? If not, don't do it. And then are you in the appropriate setting to argue? If you are in a public restaurant and you and a friend get into it, probably isn't the place to argue. Because there's people around you, there's people listening, maybe without knowing the context of the argument. And so it's probably not an appropriate setting. A classroom may not be appropriate. And I'd, I'd say appropriate settings would be when it's agreed upon by, by both sides that they're going to get into this argument, which then is a debate. I recommend not raising your hand in class and calling the teacher out on something. 
because you don't know how the rest of the class thinks. You may not even know what the teacher's trying to say. You may misinterpret that. And so that might not be an appropriate setting. And then the last question, do I know what I'm arguing? Do you, do you know the information well in, in that argument? And if not, be quiet. And I know this from experience. I've been humiliated because I put myself into heated debates without having all the knowledge of the topic. I've been humiliated because I've argued in inappropriate settings. For instance, a comment section isn't a good place to argue because you're arguing blind. I've done it. I've been on uh, Facebook and YouTube and I've argued and people have misinterpreted my words. And so it's, that's not an appropriate place. I've argued in a classroom and it wasn't appropriate. I've been embarrassed by, by people in the class who've called me out because I did it in an inappropriate place and I wasn't ready with all the information. But I'm going to go back to the comment section and use that as to why it's inappropriate to debate in a comment section. And the reason why it's not healthy to debate in a comment section is because you're arguing blind. Tone, volume, pitch, and pronunciation of words are all crucial to debate. And you don't get volume, pitch, pronunciation, or tone in a comment section. If I were to type, I don't know, simply the words, no, I don't want to go to the mall. Anyone reading that can interpret it any way they want. They can interpret it as angry, as annoying, as happy, excited. They don't know. And so a comment section just isn't the place to do that. Because everything will be misinterpreted. <laughs> and I know this because my fiance and I, we, we text not frequently, but when we do text, it's very annoying because we can never hear each other's tone, volume, pitch, or pronunciation. I'm a pretty sarcastic person. And so she sees me as in my sarcasm. So when I text something, she reads it as sarcastic, even though I may not be sarcastic. I might actually be honest in, in what I'm saying, and there's no jokes behind it, but she doesn't see it that like that. And then slowly as we are texting, and as it progresses, we're getting more and more annoyed with each other because I think she's not communicating well, and she thinks that I'm not taking the topic seriously. And so that's why face-to-face -face is probably the best way to communicate with people and argue as well. Always think before getting into a debate, especially if the debate is political or religious or controversial in any way. And think about those three questions. Is it something worth arguing over? If it's political, I don't know. If it's religious, it depends. And if it's controversial, think about the end goal. And are you in the appropriate setting to argue? I mean, with, with political, religious, or controversial, it, that's, that's up to context. And do you know what you're arguing? Do you know taxes as well as you think you know? Do you know healthcare as well as you think you know? If not, don't argue it. I don't argue 
taxation or healthcare because I hardly know anything about those things. That you may never hear <laughs> those things in my podcast or read them in my blog because I just don't focus on those things. I like to focus on people issues. So I'm not gonna I'm not gonna argue healthcare or taxes because I people are more important to me than money and and capitalism. In religion, do I know what I'm arguing? Well, if I'm arguing with another Christian, let's say on the topic of Calvinism, if you don't know what Calvinism, look it up or don't. It doesn't matter either way. Um, I know it, and I think I know it pretty well. But then that goes back to the first question, is it something worth arguing over? So just because you know it doesn't mean it may be something worth arguing over. And then controversial. If it's controversial and it's not going to get anywhere... For instance, if I think a Chevy is a better car to drive and someone else thinks a Ford is a better car to drive, don't argue over it. It's a waste of breath. All right, that was my first tip. Hopefully all that made sense. It's a little late at night, and I feel like my mind is going a little nuts right now. So I'm hoping this all makes sense. Here's the second tip. Stick to the subject. Avoid fallacies. I see this way too often and I'm even prone to do it myself. Once someone gets stuck in an argument, then they tend to veer off the main topic and end up on some irrelevant bunny trail. That's what I think. That's what I think fallacies are. And, and it's when you've know it's when you know someone has lost the argument is when they start using fallacies. They they get stuck, and they're now they're swerving all over the road. They're just spewing out stuff that doesn't even make sense. It's not even relevant to whatever the argument is about. And it's poor debate skills. So always stick to the subject. Some of the major fallacies I see, especially in political debates, are red herring fallacies and ad hominem fallacies. And ad, ad hominem fallacies means to the man. An ad hominem fallacy is is attacking attacking the person like you're pointing out their their physical appearance like you you could be in a debate about i don't know healthcare and then you you say something like well at least i'm not fat how does that relate it doesn't that's an ad hominem fallacy a red herring fallacy is when you purposely fall off topic. It's not logical, and although what you might be saying is true, it isn't relevant. Truth is important, but it must always be relevant. So you, let me let me try to think of, a, of an example real quick on how to use a red herring fallacy. I, I'm learning about, or I learned about fallacies in my small group communication class. And the example that my textbook gave me for red herring would be military and what the the sexual abuse that happens or the sexual assaults that happen in the military. And that, that, that could be an argument in a debate about whether it, ha it happens frequently, whether or not it's an issue, the, the statistics of it. And a red herring would be somebody who would switch the topic from sexual 
assault in military to pay military pay like it it could be true what they're saying but it's not relevant to the the statistics of sexual assault in that argument so that's a red herring um and i'm going to come back to the ad hominem because that's what i saw in the the comment section and this is what i see actually more frequent frequently than i see than red herring fallacies is people feel entitled to attack people's physical appearances, characteristics, or personalities instead of actually debating. One, it's extremely immature. And two, you look like you're losing your debate because you clearly are if you don't have any more facts that now you have to start insulting the person. And you don't look like you have knowledge or wisdom to either admit defeat or come back with facts. If you have no more facts, admit that you're done. It looks better for you, and it makes you more credible down the road. Always, always, always stick to the subject. It's not such a terrible thing to admit defeat. There have even been a few times where I have had to man up, which is very hard for me to do, let me just say, and say, you know what? I don't quite know the answer to that. Let me go back and do my research, and I'll get back to you. It may seem humiliating to do, but it makes you respectable and credible. And those those two are really important characteristics to have in a debate, is to have your opposing side respect you and find your information credible. I would be more willing to listen to someone who admits they don't have all the answers and want to continue the research so they have accuracy to their argument than somebody who is losing an argument and then starts to attack me personally. I'll probably never listen to that person again because they lack good debate skills. All right, the third tip. Try to find common ground before you try to sway someone to your side. This one is the hardest one to do for people and for me. It's hard because you may have to humble yourself and agree with a few pointers of the opposing side. One person that I find that does common ground very well is Steven Crowder. If you've never heard of Steven Crowder, look him up. He's a conservative actor, comedian, and commentator, and he's very well known for his YouTube series, Change My Mind, uh, where every once in a while he'll go to a college campus and set up a table and some chairs and he'll have a big sign that reads blank change my mind the blank could be filled with his opinion on immigration abortion gender anything political just recently he did one actually on abortion and then he invites students to sit down with him and have a healthy productive conversation about whatever the topic is and the first thing stephen crowder looks for is common ground if he can't find common ground then he politely asks the students to stand up and allow someone else to sit some kids find it rude that he does that. I find it hysterical and wise. I find it hysterical because the facial expressions of these students when cut short in their rant is unforgettable. I mean, these kids believe that they're entitled to share their opinion and, and how, how dare you shut me down. My opinion matters. My opinion is important. 
it's it's ironic because they never let Steven Crowder actually finish his points. Their points for some reason always has to trump his. And they I don't think that they're used to being turned off. Like someone just saying, All right, this isn't gonna get anywhere. Stand up and get out of here and let someone else sit down. And I think the reason why they're not used to being turned off is because other people that they've debated with are doing the exact same thing that they're doing in the, in the fact that they're not even trying to find common ground. They're just trying to push their agenda. It's wise because Crowder knows he would be wasting his time with these arguments. And what's the point of arguing with someone if neither of you can start at an agreement? For instance, and this is where this this metaphor could get really shaky. So try to bear with me here. If I was in an argument about creation, I wouldn't argue with somebody who doesn't even believe that we were created. Now, I've never met somebody who's never believed that we were created. Someone's always believed that we were created, either by God or by matter out of thin air. But say that there's somebody out there who believes that just poof, we were there, not created, just became beings. I wouldn't argue with that person because there's no common ground. Because I believe that we were created by at least something, that something had to create us. Either by intelligent design or by evolution. But if somebody believed that we were just poof there, there's no common ground. Because then we'd have to argue on the fact of whether or not we were created. And that's the argument that I'd want to have, or not the argument that I want to have. I'd want to have an argument on how we were created, not were we created. Both sides need something to agree upon in order to convince the opposition. Healthcare might be an easier example to use. Let's say I'm at a debate, and I know that the topic is going to be something surrounding healthcare, and the title of the topic is should healthcare be private or universal? Now, in this debate, I believe healthcare should be privately owned and every individual can choose what form of healthcare they prefer. I'm arguing someone who wants one universal healthcare for all. Before I start arguing, I would make sure that we have an agreed upon fact or opinion. For instance, if we both agreed that everyone should have access to healthcare, then we can start debating. But if I believe that not everyone should have access and the other person does, then we shouldn't be having that argument. It won't get anywhere. It doesn't relate to the title of the topic. At first glance, it may appear it does because we're both talking about healthcare, but it doesn't relate to the title. The title the the sorry, the title is Should Healthcare Be Private or Universal? But if I don't believe that healthcare should even be universal, then or accessible to all, then it completely destroys the the debate because we don't have common ground because that falls under the, the umbrella of it already being accessible. Like it should already be accessible. The argument is already knowing that this is accessible. Should it be accessible privately, or should it be one universal healthcare? All this to say, common ground is crucial for a healthy debate.
The fourth and final tip is this, and it's simple. Listen. Be prepared to possibly switch sides. It is okay to be wrong. The challenging part of this tip is that both sides obviously think that their side is the right one. Hardly anyone enters a debate expecting to surrender their point of view. It's actually laughable if you think about it. Nobody wants to surrender their point of view. So what's the point of debate then? Why do we debate? If people can't listen to each other and be open to other ideas, then why are we even debating? Listening is crucial to a debate, to a good, healthy debate. Listening with the intent to understand and empathize is so important to arguing. Do not, but don't listen to respond. That's called action listening. I learned that also in smarter communication. It's listening with the intent to act upon the information. It's not listening to listen and to take in the information and to empathize and understand the person's emotions. It's listening with the intent to either respond quickly or which is called rehearsing a response or to go out and do something about what you've just heard. Appropriate listening is being open to someone else's ideas, feelings, and wants. And it also makes getting along easier, too. I think I'm always right. That's why I read a blog. I obviously think people should listen to what I have to say, and I think that what I have to say is accurate information. It appears to be entitlement, but although I think I'm right, I'm also open to criticism and opposing views. If I end up being wrong, then I'll publicly apologize for my mistakes and I'll take the L. And this is, I'm saying all this to show that, like, I'm, I think that I'm right in everything that I have to say. And that's why I write this blog, this blog and I you do this podcast. But I'm also open to listen to others and receive criticism and feedback from people. I welcome it. I'm ready to be wrong, and I purposely leave a page on my blog with links to contact me because I want to listen to what my readers and, and listeners have to say about my content. I, I, It would be entitlement if I didn't leave that door open. Like People may think it's entitlement, like, oh, he thinks he's so entitled to his opinion that he's he thinks that he can start this blog and podcast. That's not entitlement. Entitlement would be is if I didn't even want the feedback, if I didn't leave that door open. In fact, last week I was arguing that the movie Green Book wasn't such an outstanding movie and that it didn't deserve the winner for the Best Motion Picture Award. And I had what I thought was an accurate fact relating to Lady Gaga's necklace. If you guys listen to that last podcast or read that last article, then you'll see what that what I thought the fact was. And I, I didn't know that my math was off. I thought I did the math right. And I listened to this person and I responded with a message of thanks and I immediately withdrew the comment off the post. It had something to do with the percentage of her ring or her ring, her necklace to Donald Trump's net worth. I think I said it was 23% of his net worth and I was far, 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 far from right. At least that's what this reader told me. So whether he was right or I was right, it didn't matter. I withdrew the comment because it was a controversial, controversial um, sentence. And so I took it off. I listened and I realized I was wrong. And that's what everyone should do. 
look at me guys i'm i'm just so good at this <laughs> no but seriously like listen to your opposition and be ready to to be wrong so this this podcast or this episode felt a little shaky um i hope these tips have been is has been has been found useful to you um before you take to social media or to your classes or whatever you're usually arguing in, just remember to stop and think. Argue well and set reach a, set a reachable goal for how you want the argument to turn out. And make sure that goal isn't how you want them to come to your side. Never expect, never expect somebody to just switch sides in an argument. Never expect them not to either. Just expect to bring about facts, and be neutral about it. And if you're feeling like the conversation will get nowhere, then back off. Save the argument for a time when it'll really count. So there you go. That is my second episode of Radical Thoughts. Let me know what you think. Reach out to me. Give me tips on what to do better for my next episode. Um, I want to be better. I don't want to just keep doing what I'm doing, especially if what I'm doing is wrong. Let me know if you agree or disagree on my tips with how to argue. And yeah, I will see you all in the next episode.